the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. And you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 1230 p.m., right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com. And if you would like to schedule an appointment with Josh to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, let's start off talking about saving listeners money when it comes to taxes. Talking about taxes, how do you save on them through life's transitions? Let's give the listeners some tips. Well, let's let's think about different stages of your life. You have kind of your early and mid-career, you have your late career, and then you have that period of time somewhere in the middle, maybe where you have some kids. Um, so early and mid-career, the best way to save taxes, uh, or the easiest way to save taxes, at least as it relates to retirement savings or retirement income planning, would be making sure you're taking advantage of all the tax-deferred investing and tax-free down-the-line investing that you can. Uh, think 401k 403B if you work for a public company, IRA accounts if you don't have a 401k or 403B available to you, you know, Roth IRAs are a great way to start adding tax-free funds to the back end of your retirement. But then also, you know, make sure you're taking advantage of things like life insurance for survivor planning, you know, something we don't like to think about, but there is a possibility as we have a family that, you know, you could uh, pass away, you know, something life happens. Sometimes tragedy happens. So make sure you have your basis covered in the way of protection planning. And you'd say, why are you talking about tax planning? Well, because life insurance proceeds are tax-free, which is a huge advantage to beneficiaries. Um, Other things you can do along the way, you know, uh, if you have kids, you know, dependent care accounts to help fund for um, child care uh, on a tax-free basis, Uh, flexible spending accounts to help cover medical stuff, HSA, same thing. Uh, contributing to a 529 to make sure that your kid's college uh, not only is state tax deductible when you make the contributions, but then on the back end when they actually go to college, as long as they use those funds for college, all the gains were completely and utterly tax-free, much like a Roth IRA. And then when we fast forward into retirement, or as we're getting closer and closer to retirement, we want to start thinking about catch-up contributions in our 401k, meaning we can actually put more money than traditionally allowed 
uh, when we're younger into a 401k. Those contributions go in pre-tax, so that's a way to lower your tax liability, particularly as for most people in the United States, you're in your highest earning years as you get closer and closer to retirement. So great time to try and lower out of a tax bracket and supercharge your retirement income savings. And then also, you know, in those first few years of retirement, or let's say you're not in one of those categories where you're making the most you ever have, uh, it might be an opportunity to start doing some Roth conversions to plan for what your retirement income will look like. And is there a way that maybe at the cost of taxes today, I can save taxes tomorrow? So I think, you know, as I go through all of this stuff, I uh, don't know that I did the best job of keeping this logically in, you know, some sort of chronological order and addressing each individual thing that you can do. But I think the takeaway is there's a lot of stuff that you can be doing today that will impact your future. And it does change throughout the life stages or seasons of your life. And it's important that you take advantage of them because if you think about just for round numbers, 20% in taxes, uh, if you were able to put away an extra five dollars or $10,000 a year on a pre-tax basis, we're talking about 1000 or $2,000 worth of tax savings that can go back into your pocket for a need that you may already have. And an example of that would be like, you know, the the flexible spending dependent care account. If your kid's already in daycare uh, or you already know you're going to have a certain amount of medical expenses, you're going to pay for them one way or another or not. You might as well put it, pay for them with pre-tax dollars, but you'd be surprised, Diane, how few people actually take advantage of these programs. Or your 401k. Uh, well, if I do 3%, my company's going to match me 3%, and I get to put that in pre-tax, so it doesn't feel like 3%. It might feel like 2%. But we know, statistically speaking, that contributions into 401ks, qualified plans, et cetera, nationwide are very low. Less than 50% of the people actually contribute to them. So it's a matter of proper planning, proper education, and then actually following through on that planning, making sure you actually implement the plan. And those that are self-employed, we definitely miss those days when we were employed by a company and, and that had that employer matching, because that is nice. For sure. Now, that does not mean that if you work for yourself that you're exonerated from having to do things. It's just a, a different, they're called different things. You know, we start using words like SEP IRA and Simple IRA and Uni-401k and, or Solo 401k, I think is the new term for it. So there's still plenty of things you can be doing. Granted, you don't get that nice company match, but there are things that you can and should be doing. You just have to do the research or contact our office and we'll help you through the process. And Josh's number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. And with the life insurance, it is tax deductible, but a lot of people aren't aware that, yes, if something happens to you, it can be left to your uh your family. But if you do live, you can actually have access to that money tax-free as well. Um, yeah, and I think you're addressing there first before we get into that, there are different types of life insurance. So this doesn't apply to all of them. But there are cash accumulating life insurance contracts that um, become quite popular, actually, when it comes to retirement and education planning, when people are already maxing out their other avenues, meaning I'm already putting money into my 401k. I already have done maybe a Roth IRA, or maybe I don't qualify for a Roth IRA, and I'd like to put away money that I could use on a tax-favored basis in retirement and kind of knocks out two birds with one stone. I now have protection for my family in the event that um, you know this, this plan gets cut short for me. But if I do end up you know, not having that happen, hopefully, then when I reach retirement, I could use that for income purposes as well. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Peck. Sticking with taxes, what are some of the horror stories you've heard or seen over the years that, that can serve the rest of us some words 
words of wisdom. Oh, Lord, pull up a chair. Um, I, I've heard a lot of them, unfortunately, but uh, I, I'll start with some of the, the, the common ones. I have more times than I would like to admit heard of people uh, retiring and cashing out their 401ks, not rolling them over to an IRA, not investing them in something differently in a tax-deferred plan, but literally cashing them out. And unfortunately, the common response that I, that I hear from, uh, from these people, and, and obviously I didn't recommend that they do this, I'm coming in after the fact, I ask the question, why did you cash them out? Well, because I didn't like the investments or I didn't, I didn't want to be in the stock market or um, I didn't like the choices. So they cashed them out and had to pay taxes on that lump sum. Now imagine, if you will, that you, know, you were fortunate enough to build up a million dollars inside of your 401k. You retire and you cash it out. Now let's just round and say that's probably about a $400,000 tax bill. Uh, so you don't have a million dollars anymore. You have 600000 And if you just would have done that on a more tactical basis, a more logical or well-thought-out basis, you could have cut your taxes by probably half or maybe even more than half. And know that there are always other options. You can roll that 401k into a self-directed IRA and invest those funds in basically anything. So if safety is what you're looking for, you can literally put your money in a savings account inside of an IRA and not have that tax time bomb that I just mentioned. So that's one that, unfortunately, I've heard a lot of times. Another one that I've heard a lot of times that I guess it could be a tax issue, but at the same time, just an oversight issue is not paying attention to who your beneficiaries are on your accounts. So let's think about worst case scenario, you, you, know, you do poor tax planning, but let's go even further and say you put the wrong beneficiaries on the account and it doesn't go to who you want it to go to. So just kind of a, you're talking about terrible things I've seen happen. I've seen ex-wives um, get, get money because we never updated the, the beneficiary form to the new spouse or ex-husbands. Um, and in a lot of instances, unfortunately, new spouse we had children with and the old spouse maybe was a, a you know 20 years ago no kids uh, not even in contact with that person anymore potentially and they end up getting all the money so uh, make sure you understand the rules that apply to doing rollovers out of your qualified plans make sure that your beneficiaries are correct and then make sure that you actually do some planning on the distributions that's another one that i see a lot is where you take money from when you get into retirement and how you take money from those particular sources. And by from, I mean, okay, I have an IRA, I have a Roth IRA, and I have a brokerage account. I'll just take all my money from my traditional 401k until that's empty, and then I'll go to this, and then I'll go to this, and then I'll go to this. That may be a very foolish plan that costs you a lot of money in taxes. Simply having a tax plan can save you a lot of money in taxes. And I know that sounds silly. Of course it can. But you would be shocked at how few people actually come up with a plan for taxes. They will come up with a plan for how am I going to get my income. They will come up with a plan for where am I going to invest my money. They'll come up with a plan for where we're going to live and what house we're going to buy and what the carpet's going to look like in it. But we completely ignore taxes because for whatever reason, we've either been told that, you know, you got to pay the piper. Eventually, you got to pay the tax man. So you might as well just deal with it. That does not mean that you cannot minimize or mitigate the amount that goes to the government legally. So make sure that you're doing planning to limit the amount of taxes and how it impacts your retirement. It, I think a lot of people think it's their accountant's job to help them with their taxes and, and tax advice. Well, you would think that would be the case. 
Uh, my accountant is who I go to for tax advice. Unfortunately, uh, most of us go see our accountants after the first of the year. So we get all of our 1099s and all of our statements. And uh, we usually get those around the end of February, beginning of March. We set our appointment. We go in and see our tax uh, preparer or C- CPA or whoever does your taxes uh, sometime in March or early April. Well, the ship has already sailed at that point. There's no planning to be done for last year, this year. We've already, I mean, there's a few things we can do, but for the most part, we've already taken that income that has always already been a tax liability, and we got to go with it. When in reality, we need to do tax planning before the end of the year. And unfortunately, uh, whether it's just kind of the, the nature of the beast when it comes to working with tax pros, um, most of us don't have situations that are complicated enough, nor do we pay enough to our tax professionals to really get the level of attention that we would need to be able to move the needle on our tax bill. So in our office, we take it very seriously. And if you ask any of our clients, they'll say we always like to get together in the second half of the year, talk about what were our income needs up to this point, what do we believe they'll be by the end of the year, and then we start doing some planning for Roth conversions, HSA contributions, et cetera. What makes the most sense for us this year? So when we meet with our tax professionals, they're doing what they do really, really well, which is report the numbers, but the numbers are better than they would have been, excuse me, if we wouldn't have done planning. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, or if you have questions about anything you've heard, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. More with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session to learn new strategies to manage risk, You can give Josh a call. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, what are the biggest ways retirement is different for those who served in the military or as first responders or even working for the state or federal government? First, let's take this as an opportunity to thank all of our military and first responders, Mm -hmm. particularly in wake of, uh, you know, this past week and um, a lot of stuff going on, Afghanistan, and, and we've obviously been fighting there a really long time, and, and hopefully somehow there's a good conclusion to all this. But um, that applies to, you know, first responders, our firefighters, police officers, et cetera. We, couldn't, we, we owe them a, a very significant debt of gratitude, so uh, thank you for all that you do. But in response to how their lives are a little bit different as it relates to retirement, the good news is there's a lot of things that apply to military and first responders that what I would say civilian occupations don't necessarily get to see, um, which are good things, and I think they're well-deserved, particularly in the realm of pensions, disability, uh, survivor benefits, et cetera. But let's just kind of cover some of those. For the most part, if you work for, let's say, Ohio State here in town, 
you do have a pension, but that pension through OPERS is offset. Uh, the pension isn't offset, but your Social Security benefits are, in fact, offset through something called WEP. Well, for the most part, most uh, military do not have that offset. So they actually have the ability to collect both their pension and uh, Social Security at the same time, which is a, is a pretty significant thing. Now, the, way the reason they're able to do that is because they've actually paid into Social Security while they were serving. Um, also, as it relates to your pension, um, particularly police officers and firefighters have a very unique program. Um, some of you may have heard of it. It's called the Drop or Plop program. That enables you to retire, then go back and work uh, in your respective job for a little while longer while allowing all of your income, essentially, to be put into a deferred compensation program. So that enables police officers, firefighters, et cetera, to retire where they deem is a good time for them to retire pension-wise, then go back and work in that same job if needed and contribute basically their entire pay into an IRA if you want to think of it that way. So it's not uncommon for police officers to retire, get their pension, go back to work for a few years, and end up coming out with you know several hundred thousand dollars in this IRA or drop program. So that's very advantageous, something that I'm sure the people that are listening that are in that position are well aware of, but if you're not, take a look. Disability is a big one. Obviously, these types of occupations can be a cause for people getting hurt. Um, so typically, there are very good disability programs for first responders, military personnel, et cetera. The other one, you know, survivor benefits. Obviously, if you're in the military, there's a a much higher risk if you're one of the frontline personnel of, of you know, death than there is for, say, a finance guy. So uh, typically survivor benefits are very strong. And then there's all these ancillary benefits on top of, let me cover the other big one, which is TRICARE through the military. If you're in the military and you've served for long enough or you're active, you're eligible for TRICARE. And TRICARE is the military's program for health insurance. It is uh, a, I would, what I would consider to be a very robust program. It's very inexpensive to the tune of, you know, free for you and your dependents and your spouse. So TRICARE is a very, very good program. But then you have all these ancillary things like, you know, you can get education assistance for both yourself or you can defer it in many instances for your kids or your spouse. Um, you can go to the, what's called the PX, which is, you know, a tax-free store essentially so think of a think of a walmart that's tax-free on base you have eligibility to use that for the rest of your life as long as you're close to a you know to a military base um you know you can get discounts on gyms uh you can go to the commissary you you can have you know discounts uh, at gas stations heck you can go to home depot and get a, a little bit of a discount for being a uh being a veteran so there's a lot of benefits i think it's important that in my role, I, understand, I make sure that uh, either active or retired military or first responders are aware that these benefits exist, and we take advantage of them to the most, uh, to the biggest capacity that we can, because God knows uh, they're putting their life on the line, and uh, while the military and first responders are a good job, most people don't enter those jobs uh, to get rich. They enter them for a sense of service, so we have to maximize uh, every benefit that they can get as a result of taking, you know, maybe a little bit lower paying job that they could have on their own. Is I know every major city in the U.S. or every city in the U.S. are always, you know, pensions are always an issue when it comes up to first responders. Is that something that's at risk in Ohio? Uh, actually, Ohio is very, very strong. If you look uh, nationwide, 
Ohio was always in the top 10 or top five most well-funded pensions. Obviously, this would not apply to, you know, U.S. military, but if you want to think of police, fire, et cetera, uh, the OPERS system or STRS system for teachers uh, is very, very well-funded. I know sometimes we've seen some of the benefits be diluted over time, and, you know, maybe medical benefits aren't quite as good as they were 20 years ago, but if you look at it on a, on a broad nationwide spectrum, uh, Ohio's programs are very strong. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, I saw that Congress is thinking about a pair of bills that would raise limits on catch-up contributions. Who does that impact, and how much of an effect can something like that really make? Well, first, to address what Diane's talking about, catch-up contributions basically mean when you reach certain ages or benchmarks, you're allowed to put in more money into your 401k or IRAs as you get older. Now, as it exists today, once you're over the age of 50, you can put uh, an additional 1000 bucks in an IRA, so it's normally $6,000 a year. You can put 7000 if you're over the age of 50. Uh, once you exceed 50, the typical 401k max contribution, not including any employer match if you're lucky enough to have one, is nineteen five. But you can put in an additional 6500 bucks, which means you could go all the way up to $26,000 in your 401k. And the logic behind that is... Um, as much as we would like to save early, save often, and avoid the need to catch up, uh, life gets in the way. And for many people, uh, you're a little behind the eight ball. So you need to make contributions as quick as possible. And certainly as you get closer and closer to retirement and closer and closer to that red line, you need to kind of up the ante a little bit. But there are other benefits to that. You know, for example, I had mentioned earlier in the program today that as we get older and we get closer and closer to retirement, oftentimes that's our highest earning years. And remember that contributions to 401ks are pre-tax. So having the ability to do a catch-up contribution, even if maybe we don't need it, gives us the ability to put more money in tax-deferred vehicles and avoid that high tax bracket. So this could be done for two reasons, for a tax planning reason, or it could be done to literally catch up and try and meet our retirement goal. What uh, Congress is talking about implementing, and there's, there's many different versions I've seen of this, but it's all the same, and that is, well, okay, over 50, you can put in this. What if we come up with some sort of plan that says once we reach over 60 or 62 or some number uh, 60 or older, we allow uh, soon-to-be retirees to contribute even more? And the logic behind what they're coming up with is, uh, one, uh, pensions are pretty much dead. So defined contribution plans or 401ks, 403bs are really the, the name stay of where people are going to get their money for retirement. And two, people are living a lot longer. So when we looked at you know, how much money somebody might need uh, to retire on in the past, we used things like high interest rates so we could get a very high risk-free rate of return via bonds, money markets, et cetera. Well, interest rates are really, really low now. On top of that, people are living a lot longer. If you're married and over the age of 65, there is a greater than 50% chance that one of you will eclipse 90. So our retirement savings have to last a lot longer. So we just need a bigger pot of money. So the theory is, as people are living longer, if people are working longer, as interest rates are lower, let's give people, the working American, an opportunity to save more money. I think this is great, by the way, Diane. I, I don't know... Uh, how many people will take advantage of it? I don't know what the stats are there. I don't know what the ultimate uh, answer will be from Congress as to whether or not it's, you know, you can put 
up to $10,000 extra in your 401k instead of 6,500 or what the number will be and whether it'll be 60 or 62. But I think any move is in the right direction. So I'm glad to see that they're uh, at least addressing it. What, what, are, what are the chances of it actually going through? I think it will. I, I think there's, you know, if there's one thing that we saw uh, recently, it used to be in the realm of required minimum distributions. And again, required minimum distributions are once you reach, it used to be 70 and a half, you had to start taking money out of your 401k or IRA, et cetera. And the logic behind that was you've been kicking the can on taxes you haven't paid any taxes on this money. You put it in pre-tax. It's growing tax-deferred. At some point, we, the government, want our money in the form of taxes. So we're going to force you to take some money out of your tax-deferred vehicles by the time you're 70 and a half. Last year, they upped that to 72. And I don't know the exact logic behind it, but I would assume that it was because people are living longer. People are having to work longer to end up retiring and interest rates are low, all the things that we talked about. So let's enable people to allow their money to grow a little longer than just 70 and a half to 72 because people are working longer, so they might not be retired by then. Uh, I've heard some rumblings that there's a significant uh, amount uh, of people in Congress that would like to kick that even further to maybe 74 or 75. On top of that, this would enable people to fund more into their retirement. I think the ideology of everything that I'm seeing coming out of Congress here as of late is we understand that over time the onus of retirement has been put on the employee rather than the employer through the transition of from pensions to defined contribution plans like 401ks. On top of that, uh, the interest rate environment has made retirement not as easy for the average individual. Social Security is not comprising nearly the amount uh, or percentage of people's retirement income as maybe it had in the past. So we need to enable the average American or the employee, rather the employer, the ability to save more, defer longer, and decide when they want to retire rather than us as a country just assigning some random age where we go, well, you know, at 70 and a half, you start to take money. This, you know, we set these kind of random benchmarks. We're giving more power back to the individual as to when they want to do it. I think it's a good move. I think it's counterintuitive in that as we look at the government's budgetary situation and the, the amount of deficit, you think that they would be trying to get more money sooner. Um, but I'm glad that they're actually you know, allowing people to take more accountability and, and take actions into their own hands. Let me give you Josh's number one more time, the Aptus Wealth Management office number, so you can schedule your own personalized planning session. We call it the Aptus Blueprint Process. The phone number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S, the word wealth. Com. And you can join Josh every Monday at 1230 p.m. for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. 
To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, who benefits from a Roth IRA more than a traditional IRA and, and vice versa? A Roth IRA versus a traditional. Let's talk about what they are first real quickly, and then then it'll make more sense on who benefits versus another. A traditional IRA is much like a 401k. You put in money pre-tax. It grows tax-deferred. But then when you pull the money out, that income is taxable. Now, I think there's some confusion oftentimes uh, as to what, you know, how much of it is taxable, to what extent, what's the rate. And the answer is simple. It goes into the taxable column on your tax return, but the amount that you pay in taxes on it has everything to do with what your tax bracket is. So there is no flat rate on 401k withdrawals. Um, oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, you know, you're going to have to pay 25% on everything you pull out or 30% or some kind of arbitrary number. When in reality, it could be 12% and it could be 36%. I mean, it could be anywhere kind of in the middle. Um, or it could be theoretically untaxed, depending upon what your other income sources are and if your standard deduction is high enough to offset it. So the benefit would be I get the tax deduction today. I don't have to pay taxes on any of the gains until I pull it out. But then the detriment is I have to pay taxes when I actually pull the money out or may have to. A Roth IRA, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. I pay taxes on the money that I put into it today. It still grows tax deferred, so that's similar. But then every dollar I pull out of it is tax-free. So I think the two most uh, obvious scenarios where somebody would want to do a Roth versus a traditional uh, IRA would be if I believe that my tax rate when I retire is going to be less than when I'm working, then I would want to do a traditional IRA. I'd rather, uh, if I'm in the 36% tax bracket today, and I think I'm going to be in the 24 later, I would rather save the 36% today than pay 36 to save 24 later. The flip side is also true. If I believe that taxes are going up and I believe that um, I'm going to be in a very similar tax bracket today as I am tomorrow, but I believe that the brackets themselves are going to go up, then I might be better off paying the taxes today so that I don't have to pay them tomorrow. You can start to think about when this would make the most sense then. Younger workers, I am going to put money in, pay taxes today. I'm probably not making as much when I'm in my 20s as I will be in my 40s. So I'm in a lower tax bracket today. I save that money, put it into a Roth IRA, pay the taxes today at the lower bracket, knowing that I'll probably be in a higher bracket later. But think of the amount of time that my money will be compounding and growing and how much tax-free interest I will receive on that over the next 30, 40, 50 years. That makes a lot of sense to do a Roth IRA. So there are two scenarios that I can see very clearly. One, if you're young, you're in your 20s and 30s, you should be doing a Roth IRA, period. 
unless you're in a year where maybe you got a huge inheritance and your income is through the roof, or maybe you're in sales and you had the best year you've ever had. But for the most part, as a general guideline, if you're under the age of 40, you should very seriously consider doing a Roth. Similarly, if you believe you're going to be in a lower tax bracket later, but you're in a higher tax bracket today, it may make sense to not do a Roth, to do a traditional. And then there's shades of gray in the middle. And I know I sound like a broken record when I say this all the time, Diane, but the, the, the real answer is you got to do the planning and you got to do the math to figure out what makes the most sense for you. And in our office and planning with every single client, we come to the conclusion on whether or not we should do traditional versus Roth and whether or not we should do Roth conversions once we get near or are in retirement. So they both have their uses. Neither one is necessarily better than the other. You just got to know when to use the right one. I always think that you're going to make so many, much money within the Roth that having to never have to pay taxes on it is better. I always think yeah, that there's... you're going to earn more than what taxes are going to increase. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and that's that's a logical thought process, you know. And there's this kind of famous. Uh, everybody's been. I don't know if you remember the PayPal founder. Uh, I believe his last name is Teal. Uh, he very famously came out and said he has five billion dollars inside of his Roth IRA. And everybody goes, whoa, whoa, how do I get $5 billion inside of my Roth IRA because it's all tax-free? Well, ultimately, he put a lot of shares in startup companies inside of a Roth IRA uh, along the way. And those companies, you know, went gangbusters. And we would love to have $5 billion tax-free in a Roth IRA, but we would have to replicate his market performance, which, good on him. But uh, I think the moral of the story there is we want to have as much tax-free income as we can possibly have. But we don't want to have as much tax-free income as we can possibly have at the cost of paying far more taxes, which sounds counterintuitive. But you don't want to pay more taxes today so that you can save less taxes tomorrow. But this is very individual. So I think in general, you're on the right path, Diane. I think in general, we're better off being able to control our taxes down the line. We're better off uh, contributing to Roth IRAs unless we can prove otherwise. So always go to the Roth first and then try and talk yourself out of it. And if you can, well, then obviously it makes sense. But I would, I would always start with the, I should do a Roth unless you can prove me wrong. And what is a backdoor Roth? Yeah, so backdoor Roth is the, there's income thresholds. And not everybody can actually do a Roth IRA. Now, if you work for a company that has a Roth 401k, you can always do that. There's no, there's no income thresholds. But once you make too much money in adjusted gross income, the IRS will not allow you to do a traditional Roth IRA meaning contributory. You can still do Roth conversions, but you can't do a Roth IRA uh, on an annual basis. So what you're able to do is essentially do a uh, non-tax deductible traditional IRA contribution, because if you make too much money to do a Roth, you make too much money to write off your IRA contribution too, more than likely. So you do a traditional IRA contribution, and then there's no guidelines as to whether or not you can do a Roth conversion, meaning there's no income thresholds. So I can't do a Roth right out of the gate, but what I can do is a traditional Roth or a traditional IRA and then convert it immediately to a Roth. So it's an extra step. It's uh, silly. It's uh, nonsensical, but you can still get to the Roth. You just got to go through an extra hurdle. There is one caveat to that, though, so be very careful, and that is um, – Depending upon your other assets, there may be some aggregation of assets that could really cause a hiccup in that process, meaning if you have a lot of other IRAs, they look at them all together. So before you run out and do that, contact our office and we'll tell you whether or not it makes sense for you. But there is a way, even for high-income earners in many instances, to be able to do a contributory Roth IRA. We just got to do an extra step. 
So speaking of high income earners and to save taxes, are they still are are they still doing offshore accounts? Are they still putting money in banks in Switzerland? <laughs> Um, I wouldn't say nearly as much as I had heard of in the past. Um, you know, there's a lot of horror stories about offshore accounts. Um, there's certainly a crackdown on the ability to track offshore accounts. And the benefit of offshore accounts isn't nearly as great. Now, that does not mean that if you find a billionaire, you're not going to find some offshore accounts. It just may not be for necessarily the reasons you think it's for. Um, so I would tread very, very lightly and the trying to uh, ship money offshore for some sort of asset protection or um, you know, tax benefits. As we know, uh, those who run from the IRS and the way of trying to avoid or evade is a, is a worse word. Uh, taxes, it usually doesn't fare very well. So uh, tread lightly unless there's a very logical reason to do so. Most money you'll find, Diana, is, is not held offshore. Okay. So for people that do make high income and those that want to be make high income earners, and what are the, what are the top tips for, for taxes and the, and the ways that they can maximize? Yeah, I think first thing people should be doing, obviously, is contributing to their 401k. That's the easiest, lowest cost way to lower your tax liability if you're a high income earner. And by high income earner, I mean somebody that's in that you know, quarter of a million dollars a year or higher type range would be considered for the most part a high income earner. So make sure you contribute as much as you possibly can into your 401k. If you work for a company uh, that provides any additional deferred compensation plans or anything like that, uh, meaning you probably work for a pretty big company, um, obviously investigate those. Know when you're looking at deferred comp, and, and for those of you who don't know, deferred comp simply means I'm going to put away some of my compensation. In other words, I'm not going to take it. I make $250,000 a year. My company allows me to take $50,000 and say, I don't want it this year. I want it later. Um, that enables me to kind of kick the can and invest it. It's almost like an additional 401k, if you want to think of it that way. Um, know that there are some uh, liability risks in a deferred compensation plan, so be careful there. Um, and again, just consult our office. We'll talk you about talk talk you through what those potential risks are. But make sure you're doing your 401k contribution as much as you can. Make sure you're doing a backdoor Roth IRA if you can. Make sure you're doing deferred comp if you can. Make sure you're maxing out on all these things like uh, HSAs and all the stuff we talked about earlier. Make sure you're doing all of that. And then above and beyond that, that's when we start getting into things like cash value life insurance, um, you know, low cost uh, annuity wrapper type contracts, making sure we're investing with low dividend kickouts so that we don't, it gets a little bit more complicated from there, but it is very important that you pick the right investment in the right category for your scenario to minimize your taxes. And the deferred compensation, I'm interested in this. So you can actually okay. invest, if you only take 50 of your 250 grand salary, you can invest the other 200? Aren't you taking uh, well, it at that point? There's limits. And remember that there, so the way that, the, without getting too deep in the weeds, the way that companies do this, deferred compensation is essentially, the company is putting you down as essentially a liability on the company. So what they're doing is rather than paying out that income, they're paying the taxes at a corporate level in that year. They're then, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying this a lot, Diane, so I apologize for that. For anybody who's you know, a, a tax nerd or an investment nerd like myself listening right now, he's, they're probably going, he's skipping a few steps, and I understand that I am. But essentially, your company says, we're not going to pay it out, which means it goes as income to the company. The company has to pay the taxes, but then they have a liability on their balance sheet that says, we still owe Diane $50,000. Now, the benefit to you, Diane, 
and why they usually only do it to executives is because, you know, you're an executive, we want to keep you, and you don't have to take this income, so you're really happy about it. The detriment to you, however, is if this company goes out of business, you are a way down the line lien holder against this company, which means if the company were to go belly up, it is theoretically possible that you could lose your deferred compensation. So I think what you're really asking, Diane, and I know enough about you, is how the heck do I do this? <laughs> it is very impractical for a sole proprietor to do it, if not impossible. It is not impractical or even remotely impossible if you work for a nationwide insurance or Chase Bank or something like that, where we're talking about big numbers, lots of executives who all want to vote this thing in. So it's common um, with Fortune 500 companies for this to be available. If you're making three or $400,000 a year, you're probably in the category of management where you're aware that it's there. And we have to take that into account and add it as a potential option for savings so that we can do tax planning for you moving forward. So um, it's just another another uh, arrow in the quiver that we can utilize to try and make the most uh, impact on your retirement picture and minimize taxes. So do companies do this as an incentive for their employees or the companies actually trying to save money? Oh, it's completely an incentive for the employees. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not a benefit to the company at all. Okay. Let me give you Josh's number, the Aptus Wealth Management office number, so you can schedule your own personalized planning session. We call it the Aptus Blueprint Process. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. And just a reminder, you can join Josh every Monday at 1230 p.m. for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, 401k, probably the most common retirement savings vehicle. What are the most prudent methods to maximize what one can save in one? Well, you're right. It is the most common. And again, just for a million bonus points, what is a 401k and why is it called a 401k? Pre-tax money goes in, gross tax deferred, money comes out uh, taxable. It's called a 401k because it's line 401 subsection K of the tax code that says everything that I just said. So you can uh, really you know, impress the people at the next cocktail hour with your nerdy <laughs> knowledge of a 401k. Now, that said, a 401k is actually a pretty new thing, believe it or not. You know, If we go back uh, to, let's say, the early 90s, uh, the average American had a pension plan. 401ks, or what we call defined contribution plans, are pretty new. Most people had defined benefit plans, which is a pension. About 9 out of 10 people, a little less than that, had a pension back in 1990. Fast forward to today, and only about 7.5% of the people in the United States have a pension plan. So the onus is on us 
to contribute in our defined contribution plan, but that does not determine how much we're actually going to be, re be able to retire on. Now, fortunately, defined contribution plans are very efficient, and for people who are good savers, who have discipline, uh, taking, you know, they're very accountable for their own actions, then 401ks can be very beneficial for them, much like we hear the debate sometimes where people say, I'd rather just get my Social Security money back in my pocket, invest it, and I'd be far better off than if I collected Social Security. And I can't argue with that logic. Unfortunately, however, most people do not take that approach, and we know that savings rates inside of 401ks is very, very low, which puts people in quite the position or quite the pickle when it comes to retirement because they don't have the safety net of that pension anymore. Your company is not taking care of you. So methods to maximize are incredibly important. And I'm going to give you the very basics of what you should be doing. Um, and then obviously there's shades of gray or nuances in the middle. But number one, the amount of money that you should be saving towards retirement exclusively. So this is not the amount of money that you're putting into your savings account. It's not the amount of money you're putting into life insurance. It's not the amount of money that you're putting into your car payment. I'm talking specifically investment dollars that are going towards your retirement you should be putting in approximately 15% of what you make into retirement, period. If you're over the age of 40 and you haven't started yet, it might be a higher number than that. If you're the under the age of 40, then it might be lower than that. Meaning if you're 22 years old and you're fresh out of college and you say, I'm going to start saving 10% right now, there's a very high probability that you'll be just fine. So first thing is save 15% into your 401k. That 15% can include your match, by the way. So if your match is 5%, you only need to put in 10 and you get to the 15. So that's number one. Make sure you're maximizing that. If you're way behind the eight ball, then that's a different conversation. We have to come up with the correct number because we're getting closer to that red line. Number two, if you're young, make sure you're not being too conservative. And I know that can be difficult because volatility happens. And uh, we've seen it quite a bit over the last uh, 12 to 18 months. And I don't think that uh, it's going to stop. I don't think that it's ever stopped. If we look over time, uh, there's many things that will happen. We're talking about Afghanistan right now. We were talking about COVID last year. We're talking, I mean, the list just goes on. We're always talking about something, some war, some civil unrest, some world crisis, some health crisis, something is always going on. And that inherently creates volatility. Volatility happens. You have to figure out a way to ignore it. That gives you your best chance of success in the long run. The older that you get, the closer you get to the red line of retirement, you need to start tearing back that risk in some capacity because volatility can be very detrimental if you're 64 and you want to retire in one year and you lose 30% of your portfolio. That's a big problem. So start much more aggressive and then slow down over time. Now, once you've saved your 15% towards retirement and you're uh, invested appropriately, and I'm, again, I'm very broad brushstrokes here, uh, if you want to save beyond that, then that's where it starts getting into more and more planning. But uh, again, to maximize your 401k, because that was your question, 15%, make sure you're investing according to your age and goals. Make sure you're consistent. Make sure you're taking advantage of any max, which you certainly will be if you're putting in you know, 10 to 15%. And obviously look at your 401k and make sure that it's not you know, a hunk of junk with really high fees, something we do in our office all the time for clients just to make sure that we're not putting money into a bad program. But once we get over that and we assume that all programs are uh, or that your program is good, that's the best place to maximize it and the best place to start. And we can get, you know, deeper into the weeds onto, you know, additional things that you can be doing beyond that. But that, that's what you should be doing. And the younger that you are, 
you should be doing a larger percentage to the Roth versus the traditional version of that 401k if it's available. So enough about these young people. What about the people that are not so young and, uh, you know, have gone through life's trials and tribulations? Maybe you've gone through divorce. Maybe some people, you know, haven't haven't been saving the 15%. Um, what are the best ways just keep saving even more? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the answer is always, unfortunately, it's not a, a popular answer. We wish there was a magic bullet, but the answer is typically save more. Um, the other answer is, uh, you know, has to become much more customized. And I, I hate to say it that way because I, I'm not telling people who are listening to the show right now, they're 20, 30, 40 years old, that yours isn't a critical scenario because it certainly is, but it's definitely one that allows for much more buffer, much more cushion and much more time. So when you're younger, you just be aggressive, you keep your eyes closed, keep the horse blinders on, if you will, and just invest, invest, invest. As you get closer and closer to retirement, uh, many things happen. One, your appetite for volatility drops. Uh, two, every decision you make uh, has much more impact, uh, immediate impact on the future, and you better get it right, ultimately. Because if you don't get it right, uh, the difference in you know, getting it wrong uh, can mean literally retiring at 65 versus 70 in a short window the impact of a short-term uh, fluctuation in the market, but a severe one, can change the game from retiring at 65 to 60, you know, 67, 68, 69. Because we know when we, we enter into a bear market, uh, it takes quite a bit of time to get back out of that hole. And very uh, infrequently do people feel very comfortable about, I had a million, now I have 700,000, I'm back to 800, I'm probably good, let's retire. They usually, emotionally, when I encounter people, they usually want to get back to at least some sort of high water market where they were. And that can take three, four years sometimes. So um, when you get closer and closer to retirement, it's important to take advantage of all the matching, same thing. Take advantage of catch-up contributions if you can. But planning becomes hypercritical. So make sure you get with somebody that you trust, somebody that has the background, the expertise to be able to lend that credibility to the situation. Make sure you understand it so you're on board and then execute and repeat. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh's phone number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300 to schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk. Let's talk about Social Security. A recent headline in Forbes sure sounds great. Social Security benefits poised for largest jump in decades. But how much of a difference will this good news really make? Well, obviously it is good news. Uh, if you look historically, uh, over the last few years, Social Security has gone up basically not at all. I mean, there's been very, very subtle uh, inflation adjustments. Uh, there's been a couple of years over the last several years where the, the inflation adjustment's been zero, which has been difficult for people who are collecting. The, it's been a difficult pill to swallow because obviously we're going to the grocery store. We see that things are going up in price, but at the same time, our Social Security is not going up in price. And there's a myriad of reasons for that. You know, the price of food, gas, et cetera, is not necessarily the only thing that goes into to inflation. So as other things go down in value, it offsets the things that are more pertinent uh, that are going up, which many people get upset about. You know, think of uh, the price of a computer that was state-of-the-art last year versus this year. It's obviously not worth near as much, but that doesn't necessarily offset the price of milk. But that's kind of the way that that, that inflation uh, is measured. So getting a, you know, a 5 or a 6% increase uh, inflation adjustment in Social Security is positive news. So that's the good news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is if your Social Security is going up by 5.4 or 6.1%, there's some debate over kind of where it'll end up landing. 
But if it's going up between 5 and 6%, that means inflation is going up by 5 to 6%, which means for most Americans, Social Security is not the only income that you have in retirement. You also need to supplement that to some capacity with your savings, investments, etc. That certainly puts an additional burden on those savings and investments. Now, fortunately, if you were invested in the stock market over the last 12 months, you're probably pretty happy because your investments should have done better than that 5 to 6%. But many people are uncomfortable with that. And if they've put the money in bonds or uh, treasuries or CDs, you know, they've earned 1%, maybe 2% if they're lucky in those scenarios. Well, that means they're actually going backwards. So the value of their dollar is depreciating by 5 to 6% but they're only earning 1% or 2%. That is a scenario of, of bleeding that does not last in the long run. So in times of inflation, you need to make sure that you have your planning done appropriately or you might not keep up with inflation. And inflation's a silent killer. Inflation and taxes are the silent killers in every, everybody's retirement income portfolio. Uh, and you could add health insurance into that as well. And that's another piece of this, is we do not know how much the cost of Medicare is going to go up. So if uh, we get a 5% increase, let's say you're getting $1,000 a month and you get a 5% increase, well, that means that you're getting an extra $50 a month. What if Medicare goes up by $40 a month? Did you really get that significant of an increase? And the answer in that scenario would be no. We don't know what the cost of Medicare is going to go up by. So that's one variable that we don't know yet. Now, that was a lot of negatives, but I'll give you the positives. One, these are all manageable. You can plan through them. You just have to be proactive to do so. Number two, it looks like there's been some conversation about changing what we benchmark inflation off of for Social Security. Rather than from CPI, which includes all working Americans, et cetera, people with kids, et cetera, uh, shifting that to some sort of um, inflation calculation that applies specifically to retirees. That could be more favorable for Social Security. So I see beneficial things on the horizon. I see ways to accommodate for this inflationary environment. I see ways to offset the risks and volatility that are associated with the market today. The problem is you have to actually go out, find the information, and act upon it, or you might get caught in the jet wash of this whole thing. So much like we talk about every week, Diane, be proactive, contact our office. We'll walk you through your options. At the end of the day, it's yours to decide whether or not you want to use those options or you want to execute that plan but you need to at least know what your options are and whether or not you want to do them. This has been the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. You can join Josh as he talks retirement every Monday at 1230 p.m. with Bruce Hooley right here on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com. That is spelled A-P-T-U-S, the word wealth, and then .com. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, the Aptus office number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know you have a lot of choices out there, and we appreciate you taking this time to be with us. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. 
364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.